This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin, the only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is good, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, your favorite draft analysts, favorite draft analysts. It's the Draft Act NBA Draft Show on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed. My name is Corey Tullaba. I'm here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, how we doing tonight? Uh, we're doing great. Um, before we started, we something I mentioned to you, Corey, it's, um, this feels like a big one. This feels like an important one. Um, you know, we think every pod that we do is important, but one where we're talking about a potential top two, top three guy, um, is important. So I'm ready to rock. I'm excited. Um, and let's go. Yeah. Hell yeah. We are, uh, we're covering, um, a, a potential top pick, um, in Brandon Miller from, uh, Alabama. Uh, he will be 20.58 years old on draft night and um he is listed at six nine two hundred pounds uh with a well we don't have a reported wingspan yet uh but he played 32.6 minutes per game averaged 18.8 points per game 8.2 rebounds per game 2.1 assists per game to 2.2 turnovers per game 0.9 steals and 0.9 blocks shot 43 percent from the field 38.4 percent from three and 85.6% from the free throw line on 4.6 free throw attempts per game. Uh, true shooting percentage of 58.3 PER 23.4 and a BPM of 12.0, which is pretty, pretty solid. Um, stock price preseason. This is where it gets interesting. ESPN had him at 17. SB nation had him at 16. Basketball news had him at 17. The athletic had him at eight. Tankathon had him at 19. No Ceilings had him at 9. Sports Illustrated had him at 28. Average price of 16.3. He came in at number 15 on the Draft Deck IPO. Things have shifted drastically. Uh, currently, ESPN has him at number 2. The Athletic has him at number 3. Tankathon has him at number 3. Bleacher Report has him at 4. The Ringer has him at two. No Ceilings has him at three. Swistery has him at five. Average price of 3.1. He was third on the April draft deck update. Um, Albert, we did a preseason pod on Brandon Miller. And I said I had him, you know, I believed he was a top five prospect at that time. I think we came away higher on him. Overall, no Ceilings, you know, we had him at nine. Um at a time when Brandon Miller was not thought to be, you know, this top prospect. Yeah. Now, before we get going and get started on, um, 
you know, is his stock price too high, too low, or just right right now where he's, you know, projected to be the number three overall pick, potentially the number two overall pick. What do you think it was that people were weary of or just missed on when they were watching uh, him as a pre-college prospect? Um, I, I think, well, I wrote, so the piece that I wrote about him, I wrote it pretty early on in the year. You did. Um, so yeah, it was still like really, really early. And I think, I don't know, Corey, I really don't know what it is. I, I, I wonder if it's maybe, maybe because he wasn't like some freak athlete coming into college and maybe people were more willing to, um, I guess lean towards the prospects that were deemed as more athletic, but honestly, I'm not, I'm not sure, but over the course of his time in college, I think he really did show a lot of passing stuff that maybe people weren't aware of. Um, obviously defensively, he was really good this season, the rebounding. So I, I, I'm actually not sure why, because um, I think when we did our pod, both of us had him in the top five by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is not like a flex for me to be able to say like, hey, you know, I've been early on. No, like, honestly, he wasn't really on my radar until you mentioned him. And then I did the deep dive and then I wrote the piece and then we did the pod. So I'm not even going to pretend like I, I was like on him on day one. But um, yeah, I, I'm honestly not 100% sure, Corey, but I do wonder if it was the athleticism piece where people wanted to lean more towards guys that were a little bit more athletic. I'm not sure. See, yeah. And and I get it because he doesn't he doesn't he does not like an eye popping athlete. Yeah. Um, and I, I had this conversation. I just did combos court, uh, which I don't think our episode released yet, but um, I brought up the point that I feel like high school scouting needs to change in the way that we do rankings, because it feels like every year in the top five, in the top 10, we have these like undersized scoring guards that are consistently ranked super, super high, right? And then they just fail to kind of live up to the expectation of what, you know, we believe that player could be. Now, I think a lot of times, like, these guys are, when we look at, like, you know, top 100 lists, top 50 lists for high school prospects, I think a lot of them are, like, who are the best prospects that are going to be in college? And I think that that gives these guys a ranking, and then it almost skews the the notion that we have of these guys going into the pre-draft process because they're you know higher up on a list of how they might contribute as as college players not kind of looking at the the trends of the league and i feel like brandon miller was a guy who was almost victim to that because you know he didn't play at one of these you know big nibc schools or you know he he was not the the guy that everybody you know, was really looking towards on that Brad Beal elite team, mm-hmm. you know, cause he played with Nick Smith and Nick Smith was the guy who has the ball in his hands at those lower levels. And, you know, maybe the speed athleticism strength stuff doesn't matter as much. And you could look, you know, like, a you know, maybe you're more ready for that kind of load on a grand scale as somebody who's playing off the ball a little bit. He also was kind of playing a big, a little bit. So you needed to use your imagination, but when you really, and don't get me wrong, like it's not like he was some unheralded prospect. He was a McDonald's yeah. All American, Jordan Brand classic type guy, right? But he was never looked at as like the the guy. When in reality, it was like we, you know, we saw it. Like it was kind of apparent. Like he's the kind of wing that NBA teams are looking for. So, you know, and I just think he's a good example of 
how we're looking at high school prospects and how I think that we need to adapt when we're looking at these preseason rankings on, on how we value guys, because it's the guys like Brandon Miller that are the guys that are typically the guys who shoot up boards in, you know, the, the, the pre-draft process or, you know, during the, the year um, it's these big versatile wingy guys with size and, you know, have are, are have multiple tools and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's something that I had on my mind. No, I, I think it's a great point that you bring up. And um, I mean, to be honest, Corey, as another great example, we just came back from the Nike Hoop Summit about, a, it's probably been like a month now since we've been back. But yeah. um, there are a couple of smaller guards there that were uh, ranked very high. And I just and, saw them uh, again at the Iverson Classic this yeah. past weekend. And um, we weren't we weren't that impressed when we saw them up close. And we had some questions about their outlook and what they'll become on the next level i i, I don't want to name names yet but there were some guys where we were kind of like oh well okay maybe you're ranked I'll name a little them. higher than you should have. okay <laughs> i'll name them yeah we, we're I, I think we're a little lower on on you know with dj wagner yeah than He's than the amazing. consensus you know and um I, I think i think it's unfair to guys like him yeah because there's the there's going to be this enormous expectation for him to look like a top three, top five pick. And I think that's going to be a high bar for him to clear. And I, I think he's going to go to Kentucky and there's going to be, Oh, you know, well, let's think about the Kentucky, the Kentucky bump. Like he was this great high school player and we need to look at the pre-college tape and believe that. And it's like, I just, I know we all didn't see it. Um, it's not to say he doesn't have skills. I don't it, skills. It's yeah. not the, say that I don't think he could provide value for Kentucky next year. I just, I don't know what guard in the NBA he's, is, is he going to take the ball out of their hands yeah. as a guy? And it's like, now we're, we're almost looking like, I don't know, maybe if he like kind of shows some stuff, is it the Cole Anthony route? Like, is that like the high point for him? Right? Like I think Cole Anthony was another guy who kind of, you know, fell into this trap and, and he dropped, not as far as, you know, a guy like Jaden Hardy did, but he still dropped on draft night and what, you know, many people perceive as a pretty weak class overall and weird situation, obviously, because that was the COVID year and, and whatnot. But yeah, so it's just, I don't know. It's something I've, I've thought about. And, and I think, you know, like you said, it's not to like gloat or anything, but I feel like recognizing the guys like Brandon Miller are, are going to be where, you know, you can really stick out as an evaluator because you're, you're actually valuing the trends of the league more than just like guys who were like, who played well in high school. Yeah, no, I'm with you, man. I a hundred percent agree. All right. So with that said, average price 3.1 is Brandon Miller stock price too high, too low, or just right. Um, so I had a huge change of heart the last couple of days, um, that I, a hundred million percent never saw coming. Um, in my heart of hearts, I truly believed that it was going to be Victor Scoot forever, and I didn't want to hear anything. Um, and then I looked inside my heart again and was like, mm -hmm. "Hey, man, um, maybe you should be a little bit more open-minded." So, going preparing for the Brandon Miller pod, uh, going back into the tape reading my my piece from earlier in the year and thinking about exactly what you're just talking about Corey, right nba trends what are nba teams looking for um what how do you find success in the nba and um you know having a really tall wing who's really skilled 
and gifted uh, as a scorer, but also does other things and is beloved by Synergy as a defender. Um, but also when he's not shooting the ball well, like just plays his ass off and grabs rebounds and stuff. So all this to say, Corey, um, I'm going to say too low because Brandon Miller is ending up at two on my board. Wow. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Big revelation. Uh, Mr. Garbage time, everyone. <laughs> hey, I mean, hey, man, I love that take. I love that you are putting that take out there. You know, because I do think even still, um, you know, that take is controversial, even though like, you know, he's at number two on ESPN. So, you know, it it shouldn't be that controversial. You know, big outlets are are, are doing it. And it's not to, you know, give into some fad or or anything like that. I think there's a reasonable argument to be had because it's not that Scoot isn't a fantastic prospect and we don't have to turn this into a Scoot versus Brandon Miller debate. Um, And it's not that Brandon Miller is not, worthy of it or or, or is like I, I think we can't get grounded in our beliefs and and stay there just because that's what we think is we're supposed how we're supposed to feel you know like that's that's how you miss on on guys that's how you you get blinded by some skills or inefficiencies that a prospect might you know have or not have that um if you're just willingly kind of ignoring it because you're like he's number two I'm not moving off that then I think that's dangerous for the evaluation process. And it's not to say that he might not, you know, Scoop might not end up at number two on your board after you kind of have that open dialogue. And it shouldn't just be with Brandon Miller, you know? Maybe it is with Jarris Walker. Maybe it is with Cam Whitmore or Amen Thompson or Asar Thompson or whoever you believe in. Um, Because, look, the reality of the situation is if Victor, Scoot, Brandon Miller go one, two, three on draft night in some order with Victor at one chances are, they're not going to be the first, second and third best prospects in the class. Yeah. So it's, you know, cause historically drafts just don't work that way. No matter yeah. how set in our ways we feel they might be in the moment. They just could, because there are variables, you know, and it could be injuries. It could be team fit. It could just be the prospect not living up to expectations. It could be them enjoying a lifestyle that they get distracted. I mean, there's, they could get in trouble. There's a number of different, you know, scenarios in which, um, our, our beliefs can, you know, be wrong during this pre-draft process. I, I, I mean, Ben Simmons was the number one pick. Yeah. And now look at him. Yep. And I don't think most people would blame it on injuries. You know, all the, you know, I mean, he's, he might be dealing with them, but I don't think that's kind of, you know, the reason why we have that opinion and, and the signs were there. Um, so I just think it's, it's valuable to, you know, have this conversation. And if you were, if you had the number two pick, if you were the team on lottery night who got the number two pick, have that honest conversation. Like, all right, Scoot's the guy that everyone said coming into the year we should take. Right. Let's have the conversation. Why should we take him? Why should we take somebody else? And then do those evaluations of the guys you think could possibly end up being a better player. And, you know, I, I think there's definitely a case to be made that Brandon Miller could be a better player. Scoot has some real weaknesses, yeah. you know, and and for as impressive as some of the things that he's been able to show two years as a pro already um, at an age so young, there's no guarantee that he, you know, really gets to an adequate level at some of his weaknesses. You know, we're going to talk about Brandon Miller's finishing. Scoot you know, really struggled as a finisher too. Yeah. You know, so 
Um, these are all things that we have to take into consideration. Me personally, I think that the stock price at set at three, like I think it's an appropriate stock price. Yeah. For yeah. me personally, like, yeah, I'm also in the Brandon Miller at, at, at two camp. You know, I, I got there, I don't know, probably a month ago. And, you know, I was really asking myself, you know, am I going to do this? Yeah. Am I going to do it? You know, cause I, I could just go with scoot and you know, that's what I thought it was going to be the whole year. And, um, and it wasn't until I went back and rewatched the scoot tape and, uh, and I was like, Hey, what he's doing is really impressive, mm-hmm. but there are some things that I am worried about here. And I think Brandon Miller has a lot of potential as, you know, a, a baseline, just flat out sniper shooter at six, nine, and he also has the potential to do a whole lot more than that in potential in which he showed. And, um, you know, I went back and watched a lot of college tape on other wings. You know, I watched the Tatum tape. I watched the Jalen Brown tape. I watched um, the Brandon Ingram tape. And Brandon Miller has a lot of stuff where it's like, wow, he's really advanced already. And he, he was a little older than some of those guys right now, right? He's going to be 20 and a half years old on draft night. But, man, you know. The dude's got some stuff to him, but so now I'm going to throw it to you. Okay. You had $10 to invest in Brandon Miller, Cam Whitmore and Jet Howard. Jet Howard, by the way, Albert, uh, is another guy who kind of fell victim to the weird high school rankings mm-hmm. where it should have been more apparent that he was, you know, should have been ranked a little higher coming into the year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Corey, I, man, how do I even start? So recently um, I had a conversation with uh, Tyler Wilson, uh, Tyler Wilson from uh, Swish Theory. He actually hit me up and he was asking about how I felt about Jet. Obviously, you know, he he read my article and we had a conversation and where we kind of landed in our conversation was that, um, Because you know, I've had Jed in my top five for some time now, and I yeah, think yeah, when I started putting putting words together and thinking about things out loud, I realized the reason why I have Jed Howard in the top five and him not so far away from a Brandon Miller is because I actually don't think Jet is very far away from Brandon Miller, which I understand is a hot take considering that Brandon Miller uh, graded out as a really good defender. He rebound, he had average eight rebounds per game, but just on the offensive side of the ball, I thought Jet really showed a lot of things that um, if he had a full season of health, it, he would have just continued to show more and more. So uh, this is really a long answer to your question, Corey, but I ended up with uh, $5 for Brandon Miller, $4 for Jet and a dollar for Cam. Um, which I get it. Some of our listeners are going to freak out and be like, dude, are you <laughs> serious? Cam Whitmore, $1. And I understand yeah. that, but um, I'm also a human being and I have my biases, uh, biases. And um, Cam Whitmore, what Cam Whitmore, I really do like him, Corey. Yeah, I know. But, but then I also don't love him. And it's <laughs> difficult for me in this exercise to give him more than a dollar. If I'm truly honest with myself and how much I love Brandon Miller and Jed Howard and the fact that I actually do think they're pretty close, I had to go five, four, one here. I'm, I'm okay with that. And, uh, I'm going to go $7 to Brandon Miller. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go 
two to Cam and one for Jet Howard. And like you, like I like Jet, <laughs> I really like Jet Howard, and uh, I really like Cam too. But I'm with you on, you know, on, on Cam in that I think he has a lower floor than people are willing to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I think he could go to a team like the Hornets and it'll be like the absolute perfect fit. And he could be, you know, this terrific player. And I could see him being an all-star one day. I also think he could go to, I don't know, like the Detroit Pistons Mm. where I would hate that fit because I am not a full on buyer on Cam Whitmore shooting. And I think if he goes to a team that doesn't have a ton of spacing, and he's one of the guys that are they're relying on to be a consistent spacer. I think that's a really iffy, iffy fit. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, he was a guy who had really, really poor passing feel. Like, I think he had a 6% um, assist percentage or something. Like, he had like 19 assists on the entire year. Um, it was basically just tunnel vision. You know, and he could create his own shot. And I, I when it goes in, you know, it, it yeah. kind of looks like bully, like even stronger, more jacked up Anthony Edwards. Like he's obviously an, a phenomenal athlete. Mm-hmm. I think the defense is real. Um, in this scenario, the only reason he's only getting two dollars because I just love Brandon Miller's game more than these two guys. And in another scenario, I'd give him more. But I do think there's a real floor. Like, look, Isaac Okoro went what sixth. Mm-hmm. Stanley Johnson, would he go eighth? Yes. These guys can bust. <laughs> you know, these guys in the lottery, not every single one of them are going to hit they, for a number of different reasons. And I think Cam kind of has that potential. I mean, look, there's no, there's not a ton of bust proof prospects out there, you know? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, Jet, I just, Jet's got defensive worries, right? Yes. Or he's, he's got rebounding issues, you know? maybe some like uh some motor stuff Mm -hmm. but he's also got a ton of positives that we buy into and and you know i think he's almost getting underrated as an offensive player Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. you know but anyway yeah so i that's how i'd split my money up um i mean (laughs) we have gone off the deep end for how our (laughs) our episodes usually go (laughs) we haven't even gotten into the the scouting report yet so When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, <laughs> I mean, we uh we might as well, you know, start get into getting, it. getting into it a little bit, right? Where 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 are we we starting um with Brandon Miller? I, I say Corey, let's just get into the offense. All right, um, because he's such a versatile, like multi layered offensive player. I think we can just kind of wrap it all into one thing and then talk about every aspect of his offense that we love so much. All right. Um, I mean, I guess we should, we'll start with a shooting, right? Like that's, that's mm-hmm. the, the, the main draw for him. He was, you know, at over 40% on a t- high volume. Most of the year, he ended up at 38%. Um, I guess after the tournament, you know, he really ha- struggled a little bit. Um, 
or a lot of it during the tournament. He he was offensively, uh, he was not hitting shots. Yeah. But um, the shooting's real, and he's got legit NBA range. And I think one of the reasons he has such a high floor is is this reason right here, right? You know, bottom line, baseline. This is a guy you could play off the ball, and he could be a six foot nine spot up threat with real deep NBA range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Corey, I'm with you. I, I think the thing, you know, what I was thinking about recently, Corey. I, 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 when I think about guys who generate power from their legs, and obviously, I'm not the shot guru. You are, um, but thinking about like guys that really shoot from their legs, I, I think a lot to like Allen Houston, Ray Allen, those guys from the '90s, JJ Redick, how they were like really jumping into their shots. Yeah, but you know, something I realized with Brandon Miller is he's a leg shooter too. Like he doesn't jump really high, but he does. Gen- and the reason why he can shoot from so so deep was that he is generating that power from his lower half to shoot from that deep, which I enjoyed. Um, I really I really like that part a lot. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. Um, but it, it, I felt like that's what I was seeing. And um, yeah, man. Like I, I think, and also if you just look at the raw numbers, like the num the numbers are pretty awesome too in terms of him shooting from outside and. Our absolute favorite number that we always talk about is the free throw shooting, right? Yeah. 86% is a really, really pretty Excellent number. Excellent number. Excellent, Excellent number. Excellent number. So um, considering all that, I just, yeah, it's it's really, I mean, what we're watching right now, it's beautiful. This is beautiful yeah. stuff. And, and we didn't, I mean, nobody expected him to be this level of shooter, right? Because it wasn't, that wasn't what his game was predicated on. And we'll touch on that uh, in a little bit, right? But you're right, like, you look at the the power he's generating here on this shot in particular, where he's coming off, you know, one of these like DHOs um, or like a quick pitch, you know, from uh, Noah Clowney, where he's just giving it to him. And then he's moving to a spot, relocating, uh, you know, this isn't he shows his versatility in that, you know, it's not just he, he's stationary, like he could do this off of movement as well. So um the level of versatility in his game. And we watched clips, you know, while we were talking for 20 minutes of him, you know, knocking shots down off the bounce, right. Uh, he could also do it in transition, you know, in this clip that we're playing little transition chase down block. Um, and then we're going the other way. This is against Maryland in the tournament spot up mm. splash, you know? So I, I, I mean, when I look at how many different kind of team contexts he could fit into just based off the fact it's like, all right, kind of like Jabari Smith, like where he's just going to be a good, and he gets comp to a Jabari a lot, and I don't think it's a particularly good comp, but I think the one of the cells with Jabari was that this is a guy who you could put anywhere on, on any team, and he's going to be able to um, contribute because he doesn't need the ball in his hands to uh, create his own shot or to, to be effect, uh, effective. And Brandon Miller is kind of the same way where if he goes to a team like Detroit and he's playing with Cade and Jaden Ivey and – he could play off the ball, right? Like he could space the floor for all of those guys really effectively. And you would be super happy with that. And when those guys sit, he can run a little bit of the offense and we'll show, you know, how he's capable of doing that stuff too. But just as a baseline, this is a guy who at six, nine is going to be able to play the three and the four and can hit shots off the ball. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm with you, man. And actually you mentioning Detroit is kind of terrifying. Um, I love the idea of him playing with Cade and Jaden Ivey um, mm. just because as much as and we'll, we'll get into the passing and stuff like I, I think he actually can really pass, but um, I, I do feel like he needs a little bit more seasoning. 
um, whether it's, you know, tightening his handle or whatever it is. But um, I, I think him playing with those two guys and the opportunities and the open looks that he'll get just by playing with them is terrifying. And, um, and Corey, just to kind of go back to your point earlier about um, him being comp to Jabari. I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I, I really kind of hate that just because Brandon <laughs> Miller can dribble the ball and um, he can handle and he can run pick and roll uh, pretty efficiently. And so, um, yeah, he's... Ah, uh, I, I just once again, it was really hard for me to move off of Scoot at number two because I was so set in my ways. But the more you watch Brandon Miller and the types of shots that he was taking, and then also Corey, I don't know if you remember, but when we did our preseason pod of Brandon Miller, one of the main things that we talked about in terms of his offensive game was his mid-range stuff, and um, that's something that he really flashed in high school, which I think he was also able to flash in college. And I hate to beat the dead horse because we say this almost every time we talk about scores, but in the modern NBA, of course, three-point shooting is really, really important, but. Um, something I want to bring up that um, Nick Agar Johnson brought up when I uh, recorded the deep dives uh, pod with him recent uh, this week, he was like, "Well, you know, people think there's like this misnomer with mid-range shooting that they, you know, people think it's extinct, but it's not that it's it's extinct. It's just it's kind of reserved for those who can actually hit it. Um, if you can hit the mid-range, then yeah, absolutely, you should be taking it. And that's the thing with Brandon Miller. Like we've seen a lot of clips of him being really versatile, shooting off the move from the outside, spotting up, but also from the mid-range, what he showed in high school, I thought he was able to show that in college as well. So I actually don't think he did get to show it much in college. Uh, Cause I mean, Alabama's offense was so predicated on threes and, and rim. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. There are some, op- some th- uh, mid range shots that he took. And, and I don't think synergy actually classified all of them. Synergy only classified four mid range shot attempts from 17 to three uh, to three, you know, the three point line. And um, I do think there were probably a little bit more that, you know, they classified somewhere else. Maybe it was 15 feet, you know, and in, and that's why it didn't, qualify under 17 so uh, but it wasn't a heavy dosage right just stylistically that's just not how um alabama played and shout out to synergy for um you know these numbers that you know do us so well and make us look smart Mm -hmm. um but you're right that mid-range game was something he really thrived doing in in high school and it's one of the reasons i was so high on him because it looked so smooth as a shot creator um and if you look at just a little face up, jab step, tough shot right there. And, and you know, one of the other things, his high school film was really hard to find. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not yes. uh you know, you had to like do some real deep YouTube dives. It's hard to find even on Synergy, uh at, at least his most recent high school tape is. But this was a shot that he felt real comfortable with. Um, he was allowed to take more often, right? Um, that's not something that you know it, it is something that they focused on in Alabama mm-hmm. um but in high school he's allowed to do it and maybe because you know he's a little taller than his competition or, or whatever but it was just something that he went to more often and it I mean it's real I mean look at this possession here where he's he's doing all the crafty shimmy stakes oh, shakes God. spin turn over the right shoulder mm-hmm. fade I mean that is a tough bucket and when I see this going back to the high school stuff, and I start mixing this stuff in and you're like, Oh man, like I, I came away. I already had him at number two and I actually came away higher on him 
<laughs> on my deep dive than yeah. I remember being ultimately just because this is like this is legit like you know go to creation and and don't get me wrong right like he is going to um have to prove that he could do this against NBA competition mm-hmm. he's going to have to you know he's going to go through some growing pains uh undoubtedly but i mean there's just a lot to like with the way that he's able to to create in the mid-range area um or at least has the potential to is from what he showed often you know in the in the high school aau circuits yeah no Corey, i'm i'm, I'm with you know something that i realized um just like you Corey, after the deep dive i was like so much higher on him and then i made that decision to move him up to two and something that i realized was even the players that i was comping him to changed dramatically like in the original piece that i wrote about him i comped him to like glenn robinson um <laughs> and um i believe well, you I, love your 90s guys <laughs> I, know, I know i'm an idiot um uh, but i comped him to glenn robinson uh, a little bit of like franz you know, um, Chris Middleton. And then, like, after walking away, I, I won't spoil it now, but the level of player that I ended up comping him to that we'll talk about later was much, much higher. And it's because of exactly what you talked about. Corey, you're right. The system that he played in in Alabama, obviously, you know, he wasn't given a lot of opportunity, but it was still there. There were still moments where he was able to flash that mid-range stuff. And then, obviously, as you mentioned, Corey, what he did, he didn't shoot. We didn't know that he was going to be this level of an outside shooter. So I guess in that way, it was a favor to him and it was good for, it was beneficial to him that he was enabled to take a lot of those deeper threes in college and to play, you know, with the ball in his hands because it, it was able to, you know, he was given the opportunity to highlight another aspect, another layer to his offensive game that was a little bit different from what we saw in high school. And so, um, like you said earlier, once you start combining the high school tape and the college tape, then we're talking about like a really complete offensive player um especially when it comes to scoring the ball and uh you talk about three level scoring he's got that um obviously we'll talk about the finishing at the rim that maybe isn't at the same level as outside shooting or the mid-range shooting but um he also had like a nice stretch there in the middle towards the end of the year where that improved as well so um just another reason to be excited (laughs) well let's get into the finishing right okay um because the finishing (coughs) is the the big question mark with him and he was really bad at it to start the year and like you said it got better um you know if we we again pull up the the synergy stuff overall on the year he was 54.3 percent at the rim uh when you adjust that to just half court at the rim he was uh 39.3 percent right and 38 percent on layups so there's clearly a lot that he has to flesh out as far as his finishing. But I, I, I forgot what the exact number was, and this was, again, before that the tournament. But after, like, that first, like, eight or nine game stretch, I think he was, like, 65 to 70% at the rim for most of the rest of the year. So, like, there definitely were some real areas of improvement for him there. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, which is a good sign. That's, you know, what the, the type of stuff that, that you want to see. Um, so let's actually dive into maybe like why he struggled mm-hmm. at times getting to the rim. Um, I think this is, you know, a really indicative play of those struggles and it's a play that I actually really like. I think 
you know, the, the play type is good. The set type, the way he's able to get downhill, you know, he's, he's not starting initiating with the ball in his hands. He's coming off pin downs. He's getting the ball with momentum coming downhill, but he's just weak. He's physically weak right now. And when he goes up into the, into the big who does a good job of, of staying vertical, uh, he doesn't move the big off the big spot at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And that causes him to have to fade away and kind of force up, you know, some, some kind of junk. Yeah. Yeah. Corey, I, I think if anything, it's not, not even that he wasn't able to move the big, it's the big was vertical and the big still moved him, yeah. um, which is you know <laughs> right. not, not great. And it, it speaks to what we talked about earlier, right? He's not an elite athletic guy. Um, not to say that he's not athletic, but he doesn't have the vertical pop that you might be looking for. Right. Um, also, in terms of the strength. Now, although I will say, Corey, and we, we said this before the season started, we, we were both in agreement in, the, in terms of that, the fact that we thought he had a really good frame. Definitely. Um, we, yeah. And, and I still believe that it, it he has this frame where you can tell he's going to add muscle and he's going to be a much bigger guy. I think over time, I'm not saying he's going to look like LeBron, but at the same time, I, I think he's going to look a lot bigger than he does look right now. And so with that added strength, I, th- I think that's definitely going to help him compensate for the lack of pop because, you know, even if I've seen people compare him to Paul George, but, you know, Paul George was really, really um, athletic, a vertical athlete that I don't think Brandon Miller is. But um, I, I think the word that you used is very, you know, it's raw, but also very fair. He was weak um, and he did get bullied at time, bullied at times. And that that is something that he needs to work on and is kind of I won't say like a red flag, but it, it is something to note for sure. Yeah, I, like you said, it's I don't think it's a red flag. Um I think it's something that he will be able to get better in time. Maybe, you know, I mean, his he played on a very spaced out offense, but I think that is going to be even more spaced out in the NBA. Um, but that that lack of strength, you know, was something that he, he struggled with. And, you know, maybe even like here, you know, he gets by his man, you know, instead of just going up into the help and, and trying to finish up and through him, he kind of hesitates, right, on, on this clip and he just, stops on a dime and has an up fake and ends up going backwards and settling for like a fadeaway hook shot. Um, also misses the corner pass a little bit, but um, you know, we'll touch on his passing later, which I am very high on uh, as a little teaser, but yeah, it's just like, you know, just go up there, right? Yeah. Create the contact. If you draw the foul, you draw the foul. He, he did a good job drawing fouls, um, throughout the year, to his credit, he did a really good job of, I mean, almost five free throw attempts a game for somebody you, you look at, uh, you know, as as maybe on the weaker side. Um, that's a good a good number, and I, I think that is also indicative. And like you said, eighty six percent is just a phenomenal number to connect on, and, and goes to how good of a shooter he is. Now, let's talk about some of the positives with him attacking, because I, I do think there is tremendous reason. Uh, for optimism with him just based on, you know, some of the, the flashes that we've seen. Um, and, you know, I think this is kind of the big one. We talk about the Paul George vertical pop. You know, he didn't have a ton of these, you know, posters in the half court and this is kind of, you know, secondary uh, defense isn't fully set, but this is kind of the, you know, the play we're in that huge game he had against South Carolina. And, um, I mean, there's a lot to like here, right? <laughs> Going up with two, you know, look at the the crazy eyes, the the Bobby Portis crazy eyes <laughs> yeah. after the poster. It's a, it's a, this is a nice way to start it off. 
No, Corey, one thing I do want to say is, yeah, he's lacking strength, but also he wasn't afraid. Um, and, and that was kind of at the premise of my original piece early in the season when I said that he had the sapphire eye was that there was almost like this menacing villain like kind of stoic um, aggression that he had. You know, I, I didn't think he was ever, you know, ready to back down to anybody. And that type of mentality, I think, is really good. That type of aggression is good where, yeah, he may lack some strength right now. But once the strength comes along with that type of mentality, it's going to be really scary. And, you know, something that you're showing on the screen right now, Corey, that I really enjoyed was his ambidexterity, both as a scorer um, at the basket and also with his passing. Yeah, um, was really, really interesting to watch and adds a beautiful layer to his, his game. I, I mean, I talked about Kobe Bufkin this week with Nick and that one of the things we talked about with with Kobe Bufkin is his ambidexterity and what a weapon that is. And when we're talking about a guy like Brandon Miller, who's 6'9", with the shooting that he has and then has this type of finishing with his left hand and also passing, and even in the earlier clip you showed before where we, we were highlighting his movement shooting, um, his, his entry pass was with his left hand and it looked really, yeah. really good. And I, I think it's a layer of his game that I think is really important and just, it just once again, adds to the complexity of him as an offensive player. Yeah, I, the more you watch him, the more you realize how he loves going to that left and, yes. and using his left. Um, and that that clip that we just showed and this clip that we're showing now, I think this is more indicative of the way that he is going to um, win with his finishing, which is the pace in which he plays, his handle, um, and the change of speeds and stuff. And, you know, for a guy his size, I, he looks like, you know, he's a, a six three, six four guard. The way he gets high, goes high to low, the in and out, the cross, the reject. Um, and now, you know, finishing through contact here. I mean, that is a high level, high level play for, you know, a guy who was a freshman in, in college, you know, and he he was so effective and so impactful because of stuff like this. It's not just the off ball shooting. I mean, look how flexible and bendy he is. You know, he's you know, it, it might not be like, um, you know, end one type wiggle, mm -hmm. but I mean, it's pretty damn crafty and impressive. I mean, it's smooth as, as all hell, the, the way that he's able to operate with the ball in his hands, which is what gives me so much opt optimism about him as an NBA prospect. Mm -hmm. And Corey, even on that play that you're playing right there, like the fact that he doesn't immediately reject the screen, but he does like an in and out and then goes into the setups. Cross. We're going to talk about the setups. Exactly. The timing and the savvy of that type of stuff, him knowing himself, knowing that he doesn't have the most explosive first step, but because of that type of manipulation and timing and setup, as you're talking about, it makes you that much faster because of, you know, once you get a, a guy going the wrong way, like that really helps a ton he, he's incredible he's he's awesome dude he's really yeah <laughs> and and this is another one this is against anthony black you know who somebody yeah. that i think mostly we consider to be one of the better defenders in in the class at the guard wing spot and uh you know that's a really really nice possession on anthony black where he's getting the ball and you see all of that handle all of that pace you know the change of speeds the he's got the snatchbacks he's got the crosses i mean mm. Mm. creating the separation then back there's that the left, left hand, hand right Jesus. he's he's back to the left hand that we talked about there i mean he's just uh he's he's just a really really creative prospect and i think that's what we don't talk about enough with him mm -hmm. you know we, we don't talk about enough the how much off the bounce game he has we just look at him as this 
you know, off ball shooter. And I think people are a little bit scared at this point of maybe those Jabari comps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this was talk about his finishing and his confidence finishing double overtime, right? Sick. Or this was the end of regulation, maybe I don't, like uh, against Alabama and finishing with his left hand, highly contested in traffic. I'm optimistic about the finishing regardless of what the numbers say. And sometimes you have to listen to the numbers. And I think sometimes you have to trust your eyes. And for me, I'm willing to bet on this kind of stuff improving because he's going to get the opportunity to improve it because he has the rest of the stuff that's going to get him on the floor. So he's going to have the opportunity to actually go and improve this stuff. And Corey, the ultimate thing for me is like, I get it. Like he did get bullied at times. He wasn't the strongest guy, doesn't have the best vertical pop. But what do you, what do you have to say about that touch is, is my question to all the haters out there. That is serious touch with his offhand. Like I, I understand the critiques about him not being the greatest athlete in the strong, but what do you have to say about that touch? That touch is incredible with your offhand. And the play that you played before where he was putting all the moves on Anthony Black and that he chose to go back to his left hand and finish like that. Like that looks like a left-handed player going right and then having no choice but to go back to his left because he doesn't have a right hand. It, 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 this, we're talking about Brandon Miller, a righty, going back with that beautiful spin with the left hand. That, that stuff is not normal. Um, I've seen some wild takes on Twitter about Gigi Jackson and what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I'm like, well, how do you watch that guy and say those things, but you don't watch, you don't say the same things and even more about a guy like Brandon Miller, um, who has unbelievable handle, who is showing incredible touch when he's not getting destroyed by big guys. But you know, when he's actually getting up there and able to put up a shot like this is beautiful, beautiful stuff, man. So I think ultimately it's it's because people think he's older. So there's less room for him to, you know, I guess expand his game, but I think that's silly because I think most people before the year would not have described his game to be what it was this year at Alabama. Right. Right? So he he's shown already that he has this level that he can get to with an off-season, improvements that he can make. And then who's to say that he's just going to stop working, right? I mean, there's no indication he's not a hard worker. Um, He was incredibly effective this year. And yeah, he might have been 19 and 20 years old this season. And Gigi was, you know, 18 for (laughs) some of it and and 19. But And and sure, like it's definitely impressive when you play up like that. But hey, there's no guarantee that Gigi, if he played another year of college, that he would have improved his efficiency a ton. Mm-hmm. You know, Amani Bates did not improve his efficiency by a lot this year, even though he was in a similar situation. And now Gigi's going to have a more uphill battle coming into the NBA, his NBA career, because he does have a reputation as a boom bust prospect who is just all potential because he showed some flashes. So his leash is going to be way shorter. Um, so I think that's kind of, you know, why when you're comparing also though to be fair like everybody has Brandon. most people have brandon miller above gg irregardless of what that conversation is but as you said because of the age people are more willing to give gg that that runway to improve and you know i I think ultimately when you get in the nba like it's nice to be young but Mm -hmm. brandon miller's still young (laughs) you know he's still young and he still has room to improve but he's gonna have more of a leash to actually make those improvements which i think is an important part of development where you're actually going to be able to get on the floor to get those reps instead of like hey potentially you're spending a ton of time in the g league and then 
who knows, maybe you make those improvements, but it could be for your second team. <sighs> no, I, I hear all that. It's just, you know, Corey, I think you and I have never been afraid of age. We we talked about this for years when Peyton Pritchard was coming in and Chris Duarte, all these older guys were like, we're okay with old guys. Give us the old guys. Yeah. No problem. I'll and- take Tommy Hawkes on my team. Exactly. I'll take him a color on my team. Yeah. And, and, and 20 is not old. Please. You know, no. 20. Yeah. He's going to be great. Yeah. I'll take Mikel Bridges on my team. No. <laughs> Let's talk about his passing. Oof. Because mm-hmm. um, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he has, he's just so crafty as a passer, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we talk about, you know, these the the setups and whatnot and you know this it doesn't seem like anything too crazy right it is just a a basic like pass to the lob man but the accuracy is the well the accuracy the touch his touch is phenomenal but i I want you to to watch right at i'm gonna pause the clip here for if you're watching online uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pause it here watch how he gets that second defender to commit to him and step mm-hmm. up and not go with the big watch that right yeah. there that little that dribble right there that little little shoulder shimmy the, the extra dribble um and that makes the defender think he might actually drive and he gets him to commit and now it's a it's just a miscommunication you know there's no weak side help that could get there in time right because of just that one little dribble and it's, it's subtle and you might not notice it, but it was vital to opening up the the floor right there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's, it's unbelievable. It's it. Corey, I think what you mentioned earlier, like the whole setup stuff, that's really, really important with him. He is so smart, so savvy, um, so patient. Um, the vision is there once again, both hands. I think it was that same Auburn game too. There was one where it's on the left side of the floor, pick and roll just throws in. Just, it, it was a little bit behind the guy with his left hand, but still like it I, was in the perfect location. You know, I think I have that one. Yeah. It was just a great, great pass and just so smart. And even the one we're watching here, like it, it the things that he can do at his size. And obviously we talk about oh, left hand. Perfect. It's perfect location too. <laughs> um, but it, he uses his size, his his advantage. He could see over the defense, see over his man. Incredible touch, timing, accuracy, all that stuff is crazy with him. And then, you know, with everything that we mentioned with his handle, like he leverages all his handle into passing as well. Like he's able to create opportunities for himself to make good passes. And it's just, it's about pick and roll. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a little bit behind, but also. But it's, it's, yeah. But it's on time and it's in his catch radius. Like you wish it wasn't a little bit behind, but just the way it's still just so catchable. Right. And I mean, look, you know, starts it off, even the little quick pitch there comes off the DHO. It's not a normal pass, man. Like I, I hope people realize it's not as easy as he makes it look. That's a great pass. No, yeah, and I, I mean, just the left hand stuff. I'm, I'm gonna pull up my, my favorite. Uh, <laughs> I think of the left hand dribbles, um, right now, which is uh, it's a, a, a little Nash dribble. Come out the other side. Whoop. Oh my! God. And then the spin, like that New York City point guard spin at the end. <laughs> Stefan Marbury esque, right there. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Comes off. Mm. Gets Castleton, draws him. 
Whoop. Oh, Sorry. Okay. Shout out to Colin Castleton, uh, friend of the program, soon to be making an appearance on on this feed. I I believe. Uh, but yeah, he's he's just an an unbelievably crafty passer that does he does it in so many different ways. I mean, it he's he's also just super super good at these transition hit aheads. Yes. You know, not letting the ball stick, getting playing fast, playing with pace, playing that NBA style, get the ball right up the floor. You see your man, right? Like hit ahead, mm-hmm. which which I love. Um I, I think his passing is you know, one is probably the most underrated part of his game. And it's the reason I'm I'm so damn high. I mean, we look at constantly these guys who have this plus size, feel, and vision. Um, and we see how they thrive, right? And he might not be as thick as a guy like Franz, but who you comped him to earlier in the year. But like stylistically, there are a lot of I think similarities in in the way he they play. And like right here, like he's really tall, he's got good vision, he sees the whole court and he just <laughs> over his head fires to to that wing and he doesn't get an assist here because you know the shooter doesn't make a shot but it's still a, a a great pass even if it's not you know some super insanely complicated thing it's a really good pass and it's he's just a smart savvy quick decision maker um i love this one right whoop oh god yes left hand left again, again. with the speed top of the key Fires right to the paint, you know, 0.5, you know, isn't going to hold it too long. He little ball fake knows exactly where his guys are. I, I am, I just adore, um, I just adore the, the, the passing chops from him. I I think it's, it's just super high level. And and Corey, the thing that I love the most is his, his demeanor about it all. Like he celebrates passes more than he celebrates his own buckets at times. Like this is a guy that genuinely is a selfless player that likes to pass, that likes to make these types of pretty passes. And also to his credit, Corey, I know we're showing a lot of these like highlight reel types of plays. He also makes the basic pass as well. He'll yeah, make for sure. the extra pass to the corner. He'll make the, the, the pass before the pass. He's totally okay with all that. He's not just looking for the highlight reel passes as some guys may be prone to do. He's just a selfless player. And that just adds to his intrigue and adds to his beauty as an offensive player because he's looking to do the right things. Um, something I didn't get to mention before was at times I felt like his um, his um, his uh, shot diet or you know his decision making with with his shooting I thought at times was like so so. But overall though, like he's not this like as you kind of mentioned with Cam Whitmore before, he's not a tunnel vision guy at all. Like he is actively looking to pass the ball and make the right plays and. It's beautiful stuff. It's beautiful stuff. Yep. And again, here with the setups, the little in and out, operating, quick hit, and you know he's able to get his guy a pretty open lane to the rim. So should have hit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think that this is a. I think he can average five plus assists per game in the league. Yep. I mean, not right away, but I think down the line, um, he's going to be a guy who is one of these kind of all around complete offensive players who it's like. 25 points, five assists every night. Like, I think he can get there. I, I really do. I think you put the ball in his hands. I think good things are are going to happen. That's, I, and if I can see him, and, and the other thing is he rebounds. 
he rebounds the the crap out of the ball. If he's going to be a guy who I could foresee averaging 25, eight and five in the league, you know, and I, I think he's a, a, a good defender. Um, and now seems like a good enough time to, you know, talk about that defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I could foresee him being a two way player, who's capable of that offensively. All right. If he doesn't become a number one option, he could still live up to being a number two pick or the number three pick. He could still live up to that because guess what? If Kawhi is healthy and Paul George is healthy, Paul George is the number two option. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you know, he does, he's going to put up huge numbers. I think the bar to be a superstar number one option right now is so, so high. And ultimately a lot of guys who used to be number one options are better fit, you know, are more suited to actually be a number two option. Um, You know, I don't think, Brandon Miller is a generational prospect. Mm-hmm. I think true number one championship level prospects are, you know, on the border of like being generationally good. And um, yeah, I don't see that with him, but there's only one other guy I see that with in this draft. And even that guy has some question marks on offensively. So, um, but I do think that Brandon Miller is, is a guy who's going to be a two way player and, a high high octane offensive two way player. There's a guy playing in the playoffs right now, playing for the Boston Celtics. Uh, guy came in as um, highly, you know, he was the number three pick in the draft. Could really score the ball, but improved his defense over time in the NBA. Jason Tatum has become a really good defensive player, and um, a guy that the Celtics really rely on for his defense, along with everything he can do with his scoring. And I think. Brandon Miller could be, I'm not saying he's going to be exactly like Jason Tatum as a defender, but I think he's going to be a really good one. A guy who knows how to use his length, use his size, obviously not the strongest guy, but look at him, look at him flipping the hips, can move his feet, right? Can contest most shots with his length. Oh God, Corey, it's, it's this thing where like, as I did the, the break, the film deep dive of him, I was just falling more and more in love. And then as I'm like talking things out with you and we're watching these clips, it's hard not to fall in love with the guy. The guy's freaking good. Um, and even on like, I was just, I remember just looking at the synergy thing and looking at defense and like everything is like either excellent or very good with him as a defender. Um, the only thing that was that average was like him guarding runners. And I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Everything else <laughs> is freaking good. So I think a good place to start is I think he's going to be a good defender, man. Like, a, I think he's going to be a really good defender. Yeah. And, and I think the way that he developed at earlier levels, hmm. Um, I think that really is has has helped him develop into an interesting defensive player because he obviously has like the wingy defensive traits that you want, yeah. right? Where he's long, he could flip his hips, he can move, you know, with guards, and he can guard, you know, those those taller guys. He's going to get a good contest on you. He has good anticipation, good timing, smart guy. But when he was in high school, and and even on the AAU circuit, he was playing like big. Yes. Yeah. You know, he was playing um, a lot as as the five, as, you know, the primary kind of rim protector. And I think you see some of that, you know, at times like he averaged uh, just under a block a game. Uh, So it's not like an eye popping shot blocking number. And I don't think he's going to be a massive shot blocker in the league. But I I think he's got really interesting uh, defensive potential as like a guy who can come over and just has good instincts to come over and help at the rim. Uh, I think his timing 
on contests and shot blocks is like super, super, super impressive. Like I think if he was a guy who just strictly focused on the defensive side of the ball because his offense wasn't, you know, as far along at this stage, like I think we'd be talking about him as like, you know, one of the best defensive prospects in this draft that, you know, that that's kind of how I look at him. Um, I don't think he's ever going to, like, I don't think he's going to be able to sustain that kind of like top tier defense while kind of living up to what we think he could be defensively, but the defense is there. I mean, he could play in multiple schemes. I, there's a, there's a lot to like. Some of the blocks, Corey, I, I know you you highlighted this earlier today on Twitter, some of the chase down stuff, unbelievable. Um, just the timing, the anticipation, his length. Um, he's <laughs> it's really good stuff. It's really, really freaking good stuff. And, you know, at, as you mentioned, like, look at this man, like uh, he comes from so far away to. And it, it just he looks like a pterodactyl just gliding in the air to block that shot and just. <laughs> where he jumps from as well is uh, it's awesome stuff and he looks huge when he's flying in the air like that too yeah so. the the chase down stuff i think is the most underrated yeah underappreciated maybe is a better <laughs> way to say it part of his game yeah um and we've seen you know this kind of skill be really important in big moments in like playoff games right like uh it's not a skill that you use all the time but i think when a guy is capable of making this kind of play as often as he does. Mm -hmm. I think it's a good sign just showing like this guy doesn't give up on plays. Like he gives effort. Like even here, he turns the ball over and he goes and gets it back. You know, like he knows like, all right, that was on me. Um, Got sped up, made a, you know, they forced a turnover on me. We're down big moment. I can't give up a layup. Jeez. And just goes up and gets it right. Mm-hmm. Like that's it's a big time play from you know a, a big time player. Yeah, I mean, the, the, as you mentioned, right, the ownership, the responsibility, the desire to go back and fight for it, and oh man, it, and, and like I get it. Like this sounds like we've just been, I, but this is what happens when we're talking about like a top three guy. There would be a lot of good things to talk about and good things to highlight. That's an incredible block, man. Like he got really <laughs> up there for that one, and his length is unbelievable as well. And look, he's he see it. He's 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 sizing it up, and then he just goes and rips it. That's that's like a volleyball spike right there, man. That's like a, for anyone uh, anyone out there who knows how to play volleyball, that's like a middle two ball, and he just absolutely destroys it. So. I, I'm with you, Corey. This is really awesome stuff. And, and and this is also why like he ended up number two on my board. Like if it was just offense, then yeah, I'd look at myself and be like, hey man, are you good? But the defensive stuff is actually there, along with all the passing and scoring stuff. So we're talking about a player that is gonna offer a lot on both ends of the floor and why he's in the conversation that he's in right now. And look, there's it's not he's perfect. not a perfect he's not a yes. perfect defender. He's yes. not a perfect defender. We talked about how he needs to build on his frame, right? I think where that becomes apparent a lot of times is he gets caught on screens. Mm-hmm. You know, like he just sometimes just can't get through them mm-hmm. and gets bodied on this particular on play against yeah. uh, Maryland on a side ball screen. Now, this is kind of where, you know, the synergy numbers can fool you at times because this is a miss. This shot is a miss ultimately. Mm-hmm. But it's a clean look. I mean, you know, it's, it's over the help, but like yeah. Brandon Miller got taken out of the play. Right. So it's, it's not always like, Hey, 
let me just go check out his Synergy profile. Shout out to Synergy again. They have been tremendous help for us. Um, but you actually have to go and watch the film and, and see what it tells you. And uh, this is an area where I think he he struggled, regardless if it was a make or a miss. I, I, I really think that that screen navigation, and I think when he's got momentum, when he's chasing, I think when he's chasing, he's really slithery. And he gets around screens, but I think when you you put him in a pick and roll, sometimes he really he really gets caught up. And I think this is a you know kind of a a good possession to illustrate how it could hurt at the next yeah. level, um, where he gets caught up on a screen, and a three point shooter just gets an open three point look, makes him pay. And at the next level, there are so many good three point shooters, right? That I mean, that is just really hard to you know give up. Um, this is, you know, early in the game. It's not like a big moment or anything, but you know, if, if this happens consistently, your, your coach is going to be pretty upset. I would wager to say, uh, I, Tib, Tibbs wouldn't be happy. Um, if he was his coach, um, is for sure. But uh, Corey, I, I do want to say like, also the, the effort was there though. Um, yes. throughout like all season long. Like I love the effort. And also like we, we mentioned it a couple times already, but rebounding is a part of defense. Yes. And he averaged eight boards a game and he did it in big games too. And he did it in games when, you know, he wasn't shooting the ball. Well, I know I mentioned that earlier, but that's an important thing to me. Like, and I know Corey, that's something that you mentioned a lot too. Like, what are you doing when the shot isn't falling? Do you mm. just disappear? or Do you not affect the game at all? And that that's a big Brandon Miller thing where when the shot isn't falling, he's still affecting the game, whether it's with his defense or with his rebounding or his passing or just the threat of him eventually hitting a jump shot. Like these are, all aspects of his game that make the defense think or the uh, the opposing team think because he's doing other things and so i i thought the effort was always there you're right like some of the screen navigation needs to be uh cleaned up but it's not like i, I didn't feel like he was like quitting on plays um i thought he fought all season long and i, I think those rebounding numbers need to be applauded like that's real to me yeah, I mean, right here is a good example of that effort, that energy. He does a good job. He gets over the screen. He stays attached, and he he draws Gigi right into the help, and he Gigi throws up some junk, right? Like, mm-hmm. the effort is there. He's going to make you work. And I can't stress how important enough it is when I, I look at a prospect, especially a high-level prospect like this, um, where you go, like you said, sh- shot's not falling. What am I doing to help my team win? Mm-hmm. And he was rebounding. He was making plays. He was, you know... Uh, just finding ways to contribute. He would have multiple steals, multiple blocks, high assists, high rebounds, whatever. It was just like, I'm not going to just quit playing because I don't have my shot falling. I am going to do whatever I can to make an impact. And that's, you know, one of the reasons when I look at, that I had him, you know, I moved him to two is just, I believe that he can impact the game when this, his shot isn't falling. And it's not to say that Scoot can't, obviously Scoot, um, at number two, if you have him there, he obviously will find ways to impact the game when the shot isn't falling, right? Like, he's a tremendous playmaker, Scoot. Uh, he is, uh, I think, going to be a positive defender. He When he locks in, he could be a positive defender. I think just all the paint touches that he gets, that gravity that you know he has as, as a driver is really impressive, right? So it, it's not to say that, that Scoot isn't, but I just, at Brandon Miller's size with some of the flashes of, you know, self-creation and pick and roll, pick and roll creation and the passing along with the fact that he is an absolute sniper. And like, what's the thing that everybody has kind of harped on with Jabari 
that they gave him an excuse on in college and now they're, you know, we need to find him a point guard because he needs to be set up and he, you know, people were taking shots away from him. It's like, well, Brandon Miller can create his own shot. He's the one who's going to go and have the ball in his hands um, in a way that Jabari didn't. So I just, I love the kid's game. I, I think he is the real deal. I think he's so good. Um, yeah. And and if I if if Scoot ends up being that superstar superstar guy, and Brandon Miller is just like a a you know an all star or a high level player, it's like all right, I'll be like, I swung and missed. Yeah, and that's yeah. fine, you know. But I also I look at you know the archetype of that athletic guard, and you know it's really hard to find success when yeah. that that guy is your best player right like and and maybe you're going to go to a team and scoot isn't going to be your best player maybe it'll be somebody who's already on your team and it makes more sense that way right that that's possible too but i don't know i'm 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 a brandon miller guy yeah yeah i yeah. started the year as a brandon miller guy yeah and you know i didn't know it it honestly it took me a while i had him at five for a while i was yeah. being patient um in our rankings uh, I had Keontae over him. I had Jarris over him, and it hurt me a lot when I moved him ahead of Jarris. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was honestly harder for me to move him ahead of Jarris than it was to, for me to move him ahead of Scoot. <laughs> <laughs> and we love we we still love Jarris so much. I, I still I know you still have him really high. I thought we both have him really really. He's gonna be so freaking. Do you, where do you have Jarris right now? Four. Jarris is at four. Yeah. Same. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Our top fives are very. Our top fives are very similar until I, I mentioned Jed Howard, but yeah, uh, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. All right. If you're buying stock in Brandon Miller, who may you have bought stock in previously? <sighs> so I, I mentioned earlier when I originally wrote my piece, I said like Glenn Robinson, Chris Middleton, um, these types of guys. Where I ended up is like okay, like there's a world. I'm not. Not one for one. Listen carefully, everyone. Not one for one. But I was like, okay, this smells like Jason Tatum um, in some aspects. I was like, cool. Um, I, I think Brandon Miller is going to add muscle. I think he's going to add strength. Um, he can really pass the ball. I think this year Tatum was at like 30 points, eight rebounds, like five assists. And I'm like, cool. Brandon Miller can do that one day. I really believe it. And and if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't move. I wouldn't have moved him up to two. So I saw some hints of Jason Tatum, uh, saw some hints of like Richard Lewis back in the, in the day, but with better passing. Um, and the reason why I said Richard Lewis is because if you go back and watch Richard Lewis, like Richard Lewis was like really good about taking smalls into the paint and just bullying them. Um, and he just had a really good mid, 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 mid post game and can do stuff in the low post against smaller guys to go along with all the shooting and stuff. But um, I, that, that's just like for me, that's a me comp. Um, like a 90s guy for with Richard. But I, Corey, I, if I didn't believe that there was some Jason Tatum in him, I wouldn't have moved him past Scoot. And because I do believe it's actually there, I had to move him past Scoot. And that was kind of the the tipping point for me. I was watching him. I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm people might call me crazy, but I really see some Tatum here. And if there's Tatum here, then how can I not have him at number two? Tatum was in the finals last year as the number one guy. And he's still dogging it right now for the Celtics as much as that hurts me. He, he's an unbelievable player. He, he's an unbelievable scorer. And I think Brandon Miller has that type of potential in him. And which is why I moved into number two. I I love it. I love it. I'm going to go a little 
a little bit of a different direction. Sure. Um, and I watched Jason Tatum for this exercise specifically. And uh, Jason Tatum, I think, was pretty clearly the best wing of the guys I watched in the Brandon Ingram, uh, Jalen Brown, uh, and Tatum trio of like old wings that I went back and watched a college tape on. He was the most fluid, the most, I mean, he looked like, he looked like a monster out there. His shoulders, his big, broad shoulders. He was so big out on the floor. Uh, I kind of can't believe he didn't go number one. Like I wasn't doing this back then. Like for me, the I count Jason Tatum as a win because I was like, oh, I think Jason Tatum's clearly better than Josh Jackson. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, like that was I was like, who's I don't, I don't know who who would think otherwise. This is it'd be insane. But I wasn't scouting so intently on the draft and making big boards and rankings and stuff. I was more doing like comparisons or like scouting for the Bulls or something. You know when um you know they had bad draft picks. Um. The guy that I'm going to say he reminds me of, and if I was buying stock, is Brooklyn Nets' Mikael Bridges. Brooklyn Nets' Mikael Bridges, this after the trade, he looked to me like what I envisioned Brandon Miller becoming. Just as a guy who's good at 26 points, 7 rebounds, 3, 4 assists, and crazy defense. And how many draft picks would Mikhail it take to get Mikhail Bridges right now and it's not like Brand Mikhail Bridges was like like this is like we're sh- I mean I guess we're surprised that his uh, some people are surprised his offense I'm a little surprised that he went off as much as he did offensively but like I loved Mikhail Bridges so much in that draft that it was crazy I, I, and it, again like who cares that he was a little bit older like he said it himself like what are you just gonna stop getting better at basketball after you're 21 years old like yeah. no so I don't know like that that age doesn't even factor in for me. And he started out with a smaller role on the Suns where he was like a three and D guy and played off of other guys and just quietly worked on his game and worked on his game and worked on his game and worked on his game. And now he looks like a guy who is one of the best wings in the league. One of the most complete wings in the league. And I mean, it shouldn't be super shocking. The guy won, you know, national championships in in college he's a winner he played in nba finals like this is a guy who plays high level winning basketball um that's who i see brandon miller kind of playing like at the next level just Mm. maybe a little bit more wiggly maybe a little bit more playmaking but yeah that version of mikhail bridges that that's who i i think mikhail bridges uh brandon miller turns out to be that's a really good take, and I hate and I I hate you for it because yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And Corey, I, I do want to say I know you brought it up recently, like in our group chat too. Like these, the more I think about it, and the more I agree with you, these comps are important. They are important for a lot of reasons because Corey, literally, it shifted my thinking. Like it because I was thinking about Jason Tatum, I told myself it's only right that I move him up because if I'm serious about my comp. And I and I really do believe that there's some Jason Tatum in his game. Then I have to move him up. And so, uh, the point that I'm trying to make, Corey, is that I'm sure NBA teams are like that too. 
front offices are probably like that too. They're thinking about what these players can become. And then that'll probably shift and move and tilt their boards one way or another. So it is important. This stuff really is important. And once again, for all our listeners out there, this is a disclaimer that, you know, we're, we're not trying to create one for one comps, but this type of stuff really does help you think about these prospects and their outcomes and their outlooks and their ceilings and their floors and all that stuff. And I think the more I thought about it, like that Tatum comp for me, I really believed in it. And it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just throwing a name around and I'm looking for a hot take. Like I started to believe it. And and with your Mikael Bridges one, like that's an incredible player, right? Brooklyn Nets, Mikael Bridges was the talk of the town and everybody wanted to talk about him and what he was doing there. And so these things are important is what I kind of wanted to end on. I, I really do think it's an important exercise. Yeah. And look, um, you know, we were in, in Portland for the Hoop Summit when uh, we had an NBA executive, you know, we were talking with and was like, Hey, if you can't do comps, you can't be in our meetings. Uh, you know, if, if you can't tell me about how a guy is going to work in the league because it's already working, like, what are we doing here? You know, like, this is a conversation we have with, you know, a really, really great talent evaluator who is a, you know, a high ranking executive in the league. So it, this is not these comps, you know, the reasons that we have this segment. We've been doing this since the beginning of the podcast. Uh, the reason why this year I chose to focus most of my writing pieces on direct, you know, stylistic comparisons to NBA prospects is because I really do think there is an art to doing it. And when you do it, it could really be a helpful evaluation tool. You just have to really put a lot of thought in. If you get lazy with it, then sure, like comps are going to hurt and no comp is going to be one to one. And that's why we call it prospect chemistry right. at no ceilings. But when you actually sit and think and, and try to figure out how it's going to make you better understand a prospect, it could be really valuable. Um, all right, Albert, it's that time. I need you to sell me this pen on Brandon Miller. For sure. Okay. Um, I, I, I didn't know if we were going to do this part just because I felt like we did the whole pod, but it's okay. I, I can do it. Um, if you're interested in a six foot nine, six foot ten jumbo wing who can handle the ball, who, who can, as Jalen Rose always talks about, he can dribble, pass, and shoot. Uh, I can do it at an effective level. Um, if you're interested in a guy who can also play defense and rebound the ball, um, then number one, you uh, are probably an NBA exec and it's something that you're really into. And number two, uh, Brandon Miller would be your guy. He's a guy who's going to offer you versatility on both ends of the floor. He's an absolute sniper. He's got the right mentality. He's afraid of nobody. Um, and he plays really, really hard. So when you talk about mental makeup, when you're talk, uh, when you're, you're thinking about high-level prospects, he's got that. You talk about measurables, I think he's going to have that. You talk about efficiency and talent. He has all that. And so if you're interested in those things, you should probably take Brandon Miller. Very well said. Very well said. Um, the guy is an awesome prospect. Um, he's one of my favorite prospects that I've evaluated in in recent memory. And um, yeah, uh, I hope everybody, you know, in, has enjoyed uh, this episode as much as I think we did. And if you have questions, I urge you to go back and, you know, rewatch his film. You know, even if you don't have you know, access to, to synergy or instat there's always, you know, channels where you can watch full games on YouTube. You know, that's how I used to do all my scouting before I had access to these tools. I used to literally just watch the games on YouTube and rewind and pause and, you know, 
it's there's some really valuable stuff and so he's a lot of fun and uh obviously it's he's not some sleeper prospect or anything like that he's you know probably going to be the number 3 pick in the draft so but with that said um the debate on whether he should go 2 or 3 this year is is a fun one one i didn't fully expect um <laughs> one i didn't expect myself to uh turn on but you know it's one of those things I don't want to just be like, I'm going to play it safe because where's the risk in me just saying Scoot is the number two guy because he's supposed to be the number two guy. He might be the number two guy, but right now my gut is telling me that I like Brandon Miller more. And so, um, and that's in a vacuum again, it fit context, Mm -hmm. all that stuff. But, and I fully expect Scoot to be really, really, really awesome player. But Brandon Miller is, is my number two guy right now. So, that's it. All right. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five star review. Um, comment, share. That would be awesome. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button. Thank you for watching and, and rocking with us as always. Subscribe to the channel. We have so much NBA draft content coming up. Um, the draft lottery is in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a really, really fun draft season. We have draft guide news you know, coming soon. We're going to have new merch, the whole thing. So Albert, tell the people where they could find you before we sign out. Uh, you can find me at Alberto with an E Gim um, on Twitter. You can find me at GTG NBA on Instagram as well. And you can find me at Corey Tulliba um, at the NBA draft dude on TikTok and Instagram. Um, been posting some stuff, just watched a bunch of prospects work out over the, this weekend. And I think we're going to, get them for some film sessions soon, uh, which will be exciting. So um, yeah, make sure you're, you're locked in to the YouTube channel, to the podcast feed, to everything we're doing at no ceilings. Uh, Fun time. Y'all appreciate you rocking with us. The Tyler's are on tomorrow Uh, until that time. We're out. Peace. Peace.